As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. This episode of the Bear Stock Underground is brought to you by Sports Drink, your digital water cooler. Sports Drink is a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. They're here to help us grow and to hate your favorite team. A rising tide lifts all boats, so go check them out online or in social. Go to sportsdrink.org or open Instagram and type in sports drink. Spelled like sports drink, but without the vowels. So S-P-R-T-S-D-R-N-K. All we ask is that you close the door behind you. We're trying not to let out the funk. (laughs) What's up, guys? It's time for the week two preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground very excited about this uh, this upcoming matchup on Sunday. I'm still kind of vibing off the win this past Sunday over the uh, over the 49ers. Uh, even though it's uh, it, today's uh, Wednesday, it's Hump Day, so we're, we've reached the peak of the week, and now we're heading downhill towards the uh, towards the weekend. So it's time to start truly focusing on on Green Bay and beating the uh, Packers. I'm sure the Bears have been doing that since uh, you know probably film study on Monday. They've been on to Green Bay uh, kind of thing. But, um, you know, we have Evan Western. We have our news and notes. We have keys to the game. We got lots to get to, so let's go ahead and dive right in. This is the Week 2 preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground. So let's get to it. Hang up the telephone. I hear the dial tone. Ringing out loud and I I swear to God, this will probably be the last time I make this joke because I've only been beating it into the ground since the schedule came out in May. But the league-mandated by-law matchup at Lambeau on Sunday Night Football is this Sunday for our beloved Chicago Bears taking on the Green Bay Packers, the 1-0 Bears, and the 0-1 Packers. I don't think anyone saw that coming. I thought this is... And I think when, when everyone saw the schedule come out, they thought for sure... This would be a 1-0 versus 0-1 matchup, but I don't think anybody had it penciled in as the 1-0 Bears versus the 0-1 Packers, except maybe Vikings fans. Who knows? But, uh, you know, if anybody was giving the Vikings that, uh, or excuse me, the Packers that 0-1 start, it was going to be Minnesota fans. But but here we are, and um, we're heading into this uh, ball game. Um, I have my, you know, our good friend, uh, Evan Western, despite his crooked allegiances to that team in uh, in in Wisconsin, uh, he's still one of my favorite guests, and I love having him uh, on the show. And um, you know, talking to him about this game to to just check the pulse of the the Packers is like, how are they feeling about the Bears after the way we handled the team that beat them and ended their season uh, last year? Uh, how are they feeling after a second consecutive? Uh, 0-1 start uh, in a, a, a quite an embarrassing fashion for the second year in a row, uh, losing to a division rival in Minnesota uh, this time, a team they're going to have to play again somewhere down the road uh, and everything, with uh, Aaron Rodgers being responsible for the turnovers uh, in that ball game, for the for the slow start they never recovered from. You know, how are they feeling 
about this. This upstart Bears team that seems to be hungry and and ready to go with a coach that's got them pointed in the right direction uh, against a team that's uh, still trying to find its footing with uh, with no Alan Lazard. He, he also might not play again uh, this week. They're not going to have Bakhtiara and Jenkins, their starting tackles, uh, in the game. Not likely. They could also be without their starting left guard, John Runyon, uh, as well. So, I mean, this could be... This could be prime territory for the Bears' defense to eat on Sunday and get after Rodgers. We'll talk more about that keys to the game at the end of the show. But um, let's go ahead and get things started here with our uh, news and notes uh, segment. And um, very odd notification I got today showing that Alex Leatherwood, our recently claimed uh, offensive lineman, I, I they penciled him in as a tackle, so our recently uh, uh, acquired offensive tackle, is now on the uh, non-football injury-slash-illness list with mononucleosis. My man's got the kissing disease, and uh, he's going to be out for the uh, for the next four weeks uh, at least. He's basically on the injured. It's kind of like an injured reserve list. He is out four weeks no matter what. Uh, the Bears have brought Michael Schofield back uh, to take his place uh, on the roster uh, while he is out, and... Um, I don't. I'm. I've never had mono, but I do know from people that have had it. Uh, obviously, it's not fatal or anything. It's just mono's no joke. You do not feel well when you have mono, and it's one of those uh, you know illnesses that kind of lingers for uh, a little while. It's like four weeks might not even be enough for him to get rid of it. I mean, it's it's one of those weird kind of things. It just depends on the person. Some people can be out with, done with it with a week, maybe two weeks. Some people have it for months. It's an odd, odd illness. Uh, that he's got there. I wonder how he got it, but uh, nonetheless, that's uh, not the uh, not not the headline that Leatherwood probably wanted to to have in his young Chicago Bear uh, career. But uh, nonetheless, there it is. But uh, speaking of roster uh, moves or and moving on to the injury uh, list, um, we only have two names on that list still, which is amazing. Um, one of which is Valus Jones Jr., who was on the injured list uh, last week. He did not practice at all, nursing that hamstring injury from the preseason. He was limited today on Wednesday uh, in practice and is looking, says he feels great, says he's ready to come back. But, it, you know, those soft tissue injuries, you want to be careful with those because he started uh, training camp with the hamstring injury, played in the preseason game against Seattle, and the hamstring injury has kept him out ever since. So he basically he re-aggravated it uh, in the Seattle game. So maybe came back a little too soon. Uh, from it so you know we could definitely use him and his speed his special teams playmaking uh, ability and whatever deep threat he can give us in the passing game I'd love to see it I can't wait to see it but um, if it's that versus you know him re-aggravating the injury and being out for another month I can wait to see him against Houston or the Giants uh, if that's what it takes to be able to say that once he's back he's back for good uh, the other name on the injury list, oddly, is Riley Reef. Uh, he has some kind of shoulder injury, also limited, so he did practice today. But I uh, was wondering where Riley Reef suffered an injury because, uh, I mean, was he in on field goals and extra points uh, on Sunday? Because otherwise, did Riley Reef hurt himself belly sliding in the end zone at the end of the game to celebrate the victory? Because I can't think of any other opportunity for Riley Reef to hurt himself. Maybe he got banged up in practice. Who knows? But. Uh, was odd seeing his name on the list considering he didn't play on Sunday. <laughs> so just the, kind of tickled me to see his name on the list. But a name that is not on the list uh, was our uh, 
superhero from Sunday, our offensive or defensive uh, rookie uh, of the week in uh, Dominique Robinson. He was nursing that knee injury last week, played like a beast against the 49ers on Sunday, going up against Trent Williams. Did outstanding, sack and a half uh, on Trey Lance. He should have two, but they gave half to Roquan for some reason. But um, he's not on the injury list, so he is full go and practicing so far uh, this week. You know, knock on wood, that stays the same. So, uh, but speaking of uh, injuries, uh, Lucas Patrick still uh, wearing the cast on his snapping hand. Um, and he's also been named honorary captain this week for the, uh, for the Packer game uh, on Sunday. So, of course, it's Justin Fields and Cody Whitehair on the offensive side. Roquan and Robert Quinn, those are the captains throughout. And then our fifth honorary captain will be Patrick on Sunday uh, against the uh, Pat- Packers. And, and I'm wondering what the Bears are doing with Patrick this week. Are we going to keep rotating him in there with Tevin Jenkins at right guard until he's healthy enough to come back and play center? Or is he going to stay at right guard and play the whole game? Uh, you know, I was like, I'm not sure anyone has really asked yet, like, what's going on with that? Because I, I haven't seen anyone ask Eberflus what the story was with the rotation at guard or if they've answered that question. I mean, I haven't seen anything uh, on Twitter or anything like that. I also, you know, in my in my defense, have not sat down and watched any of the press conferences uh, since the end of the game on Sunday. I've been, uh, been having too much fun celebrating the win. But um, I'm interested to see if they're going to do that again this week. Are, are, are Jenkins and Patrick going to rotate at right guard the way that they did on Sunday against the 49ers? Nonetheless, Patrick is the honorary captain, and he's still playing with the cast on his uh, snapping hand, so he won't be moving over to center uh, just yet. Um, <laughs> Aaron Rodgers always has fun things to say about the uh, about the Bears, and uh, this week he, uh, in kind of a, a backhanded compliment, uh, said that uh, he quote unquote wouldn't have minded had the Bears traded Ro- Roquan this off season. So I guess that's a compliment uh, to Roquan that uh, he would like to see him out of the division and off of the Chicago Bear uh, roster. Uh, while also kind of at the same time saying he's not looking forward to playing Roquan uh, on Sunday. So, you know, he complimented uh, Roquan without really complimenting him. So that's uh, an interesting way of, of, of going about it. But I thought it was funny to, uh, for, for Rodgers to come in and give that kind of uh, perspective. Like, I wouldn't have minded if they traded him. Like, I'm sure. I'm sure he really hated it when Erlacher retired, too. But, um, you know, anyway, last thing we have for, for news and notes um, – so you guys heard me complain last week to our guest Robert Morrison about the Bears being the third worst team in the NFL as far as the uh, PFF power rankings are concerned. We were number 30 out of 32. Well, after our convincing 19-10 to 10 win over a team that many considered to be a Super Bowl contender, we moved from 37, or excuse me, to, from 30 all the way up to 27. Uh, a convincing win over a top 10 team, we move up three spots. And what's even more confusing, San Francisco was number seven going into the game. They've only dropped down to number nine. So, I don't know. When I watched that game on Sunday, the 49ers were not 18 spots better than the Bears. I, I, didn't, I don't see that. But uh, I also think it's ridiculous, some of the teams that are still in front of the Bears after the way that they played uh, on Sunday. So, 
I guess everyone's kind of leaning into the whole week one thing. Uh, you know, one game does not a season make. And, of course, I subscribe to that uh, mentality. But at the same time, we're not the 27th best team in the league. We're, we're, we're top 20. We're, I mean, we're in the tw- like 20 to 20 to 23 is kind of, I think, where we should be right now, not 27. I think we're being lowballed yet again um, going into this thing. So, but maybe a, a victory over the Packers will, will shake that loose and uh, we'll, then we'll really start moving uh, after a win uh, this coming Sunday, knock on wood. So, anyway, going to keep it short and sweet with the news and notes. Uh, we got our guest Evan Western from Acme Packing Company back as usual to help us preview the ball game. So let's go ahead and dive right in with our guest from Acme Packing Company. It's Evan Western and I previewing Bears Packers for week number two. Week two of our uh, NFL season has our beloved Chicago Bears traveling up to Lambeau to take on the Green Bay Packers, the 0-1 Green Bay Packers. And, of course, because it's the law, uh, an NFL mandate, it's Sunday Night Football. It's a national TV game because apparently uh, Green Bay vampires, or at least they are when they play the Bears anyway, not allowed to play in daylight. And here, as always, to help us preview this matchup between these two heated rivals, from Acme Packing Company, our good friend Evan Western. Evan, welcome back, man. Hey, thanks a lot. Hey, you you guys got a home night game like four years ago. Come on, what are you complaining yeah. about? You know, yeah. <laughs> but it only had yeah. to, you know only because it was the 100th anniversary of the history yeah. of the NFL and uh, and everything. And then we we got to play you guys in daytime in 2019. But when was the yeah, last time before you a bone? Right? Yeah. Oh, when was geez. the last time that we played daytime? before 2019 i like i can't even think i feel like we i feel like we looked it up in 2019 before that game and it was something ridiculous like 2008 or something <laughs> insane like that so yeah it's it's pretty crazy yeah i think you're right actually 2008 sounds right first year <laughs> with uh with rogers not as big a deal without Favre, you know kind of thing before before the nfl knew what they had in aaron Rodgers, i guess right but um <laughs> So it was an interesting weekend for us both. Um, I'm sure you picked your team to win, and uh, I'm sure it wouldn't come as a surprise to you. I picked mine uh, to lose uh, on Sunday, and we got the opposite result. I'm thrilled with it. I, I doubt that you are the same. <laughs> yeah, that's a fair assessment. All right, that was uh, that was a rough one up in up in Minnesota. A little bit of the same type of you know sluggish, ugly offense that we saw in the playoffs last year against San Francisco. Not. Not, I'm hoping not to see that repeated that again on Sunday night. Right, I'm sure with um, with a national TV audience watching and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. But tell me, second year in a row this has happened to you guys. Uh, last year it was you know just the mess that was Week One against the Saints. Uh, everything from not playing the game where it was supposed to be played originally, having to go to Jacksonville where it was about six or seven hundred degrees uh, outside. Um, just that whole thing. Nothing went right for Green Bay, you know, you know, anemic, sluggish on offense, huge lead, you know, deficit at halftime and all that kind of stuff. Pretty much the same thing happens against Minnesota. You come out sluggish, not able to move the football very well, miscues, turnovers, uh, and basically everything Minnesota th- did, they did right uh, in the first half, you know, 17 to nothing at uh, halftime. Is there... 
is there any worry, any fear about this one in particular? Because I don't think you guys were too worried about what was happening after last year with all the things that happened that went into week one, moving the game last minute and all that kind of stuff. What about now, though? Yeah, there's there's a lot of pieces that, that can help explain what happened in Minnesota. But um, the biggest one to me is the offensive line. Right. Uh, Packers are still waiting on David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins to come back. And, and if I was actually saying it all week, I thought Elton Jenkins was the bigger piece to, to have back in that game. Because right now, when they don't have the right tackle, the Packers have to shuffle up that right side of the offensive line a lot. Royce Newman started at right guard all last season. Uh, he's out at tackle now, and Jake Hansen, second-year guy out of or, or third-year guy out of Oregon, um, is in there at right guard, and he was bad, hmm. bad uh, on on Sunday night and, or Sunday afternoon, and we all kind of saw it coming too, especially because Minnesota was going to you know line up Zadarius Smith over him occasionally. Um, they've got some decent defensive linemen to, to put over him, and, and he just really, really struggled. So pass protection was part of it. But um, I, I think there's there's a, a whole host of things that play into it, but I really do think that if Kristen Watson catches that bomb yeah. on the first play of the game, it is a totally different game. Oh, wow, that was uh, the first play. It was it was the first offensive play for for Green Bay. So Minnesota had gone down, got the ball first, drove down, scored a touchdown. First play after the kickoff was that bomb. That was Watson's first NFL play of his career because he didn't play at all in the preseason. So nerves absolutely were sure you know were, were what got to him there. And they dialed up the shot play to him and hit it. Should have hit it right and and right off his hands. Perfect ball. He got four yards of separation of oh, Patrick yeah. Peterson. You can't ask for anything else from, from the kid other than just to catch the ball. I had no idea and, that was the first play because I, uh, uh-huh. I was caught up in the Pittsburgh-Cincinnati drama after yeah. the Bear game ended, so I didn't get over. I mean, it was only 7 nothing when I made it over to the Minnesota game finally, but I had no idea that that play was the first offensive snap uh-huh. for you guys. I thought it yeah. was something, you know, like in the second quarter or something like that. Oh, let's nope. give the, the, the kid a shot and see what happens kind of thing. That was the first play from scrimmage for you guys. Wow. Yeah, they dialed it up on the, on the very first snap, and, yeah, if he catches that and takes it in for a touchdown, it's a totally different ball game. Absolutely. Right? You know, you, yeah. It's a 7-7 game. Um, that's, that's right. That's seven points there. Um, there's a couple of missed opportunities later on that, uh, you know, uh, they got stuffed on fourth and goal at the one. Yeah. Um, that's another touchdown off the board. And I mean, they lost by 16 points, right. And then they had a, a fourth down that they had to go for in the red zone later on in the game that if it's a close game, maybe you take a field goal, maybe, you know, you're right, you're right there in it. Yeah. So it, it was, it was a case of some missed opportunities on offense. Um, again, the offensive line struggled. And Rodgers did not play a good game. I think that's generally the consensus coming out of uh, of those of us who cover cover the Packers is he just did not play well uh, in that game. And so, with all of those things being said, um, you know we're looking at probably having the same off- offensive line this week. There's a good chance that Bakhtiari and Jenkins get held out again, uh, which you know worries me a little bit with Robert Quinn pat- rushing the passer for the Bears. Um, so, you know, we could see a little bit of the same sort of struggles up front that, that we exhibited uh, this week. But um, I guess the other thing to keep in mind there with Minnesota, Alan Lazard didn't play uh, the Packers' you know, de facto number one receiver this year. And so I think 
it looks like he's probably going to be back. He practiced today on Wednesday. So hopefully that'll be a little bit of a boost to the passing game and, and maybe Rogers can get going a little bit with a guy he's got a little bit more chemistry with and uh, he trusts a little bit. So we'll see. But yeah, there was a, there was a whole host of things that, that contributed to, to Sunday's loss in Minnesota. And then we haven't even touched on the defense not being able to uh, to cover Justin Jefferson in the slightest. So I'm, yeah. I'm sure we can. We can discuss that as well. <laughs> yeah, because a lot was made about how how well Kirk Cousins played in relation uh, to uh, to Rodgers. But, um, you know, it's – I mean, everyone's uh, definitely giving Justin Jefferson his due, but no one's really accounting for the fact that he was literally like two-thirds, if not more, of what Kirk Cousins was able to do against the Packers yeah. on on Sunday. I mean, I think it was – you know, I'll do, I'll do credit to – uh, cousins for the performance that he gave, but Justin Peterson did a lot of yak catching and all that kind of stuff that contributed to what he was able to do on Sunday. Yeah, definitely. And it was the, the Packers sat back in zone basically and tried to cover him that way all game long, and it really just didn't work. And and they are a zone heavy defense. Um, and but but the question really remains is why didn't you try to blanket him with Jair Alexander? You know, he's, he's, you've got an all-pro cornerback on your roster. Um, why would a, a guy with great change of direction skills who can, who can actually mirror good route runners, right? So why wouldn't you line him up and, and find a way to get that matchup uh, on defense? And it, it sounded like the Packers just decided that, you know what, we're going to run zone. And we, we believe that that's the, the identity of our defense. And we don't really want to change that and, and try to start running a bunch of hand stuff. I don't know if that was a game planning thing. I don't know if it was just that they, you know, didn't really install a lot of, of man stuff to this point in the season or, or what it was, mm-hmm. or just this week against Minnesota. But um, yeah, that was, that was the biggest issue is, was Jefferson getting loose against zone coverage, especially against the safeties. Uh, they, they really had a rough go. Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos, and, and Amos has been really, really good for the Packers. And yeah. I mean, you guys as Bear fans know him him well from his time in Chicago, and he's been great since he came to Green Bay. This was maybe his worst game as a Packer. Mm. Um, I would certainly expect him to rebound um, and have a have a better game this weekend against Chicago. But but yeah, he was really, really lost a couple of, of occasions uh, against Jefferson in coverage, and you know, a couple of big plays with with the Packers' offense not really doing anything was was all it took for for Minnesota to, to get enough of a lead to kind of coast to the finish in the second half. Yeah, it was uh, it was an interesting game uh, uh, to watch once I finally got to it after Pittsburgh and Cincinnati kept, kept playing hot potato with the <laughs> with the victory uh, on Sunday. No, you win. No, you win. No, you win. No, you win, you know, kind of thing. And then finally Pittsburgh was like, fine, yep. I'll kick a field goal as time expires in overtime to uh, win the game uh, and everything. But to... To, to see Rodgers get uh, strip sacked, to, for him to be responsible for the turnovers that took place in the football game is a rare thing to see uh, with Aaron Rodgers. Like, oh, the Packers turned the ball over twice. Aaron Rodgers was responsible for both. That, that's like, mark that one in your calendar. That doesn't happen very often. Yeah, for sure. And it, it really doesn't happen against divisional teams. Yeah. Um, I think this was the first interception Rodgers threw against an NFC North opponent since like 2019. Yeah, they threw up some uh, ridiculous stat on how many passes have been (laughs) since he'd thrown an interception against the division uh, division team. 
And it was a terrible pick, too. Let's be real. Yeah, like, that he threw was it into traffic and everything. Terrible, terrible interception. Yeah. But he was rolling out to the left. Um, I, I understand that there was, it looked like there was a route that didn't get run or a, a block that got missed underneath. And he thought he was going to have a guy leaking out to, to the rollout side. But that it was first and 10. That doesn't excuse just chucking up a, a YOLO ball for Randall Cobb 40 <laughs> yards downfield yeah. when you can just throw it away and live to fight again on second down. Right. So that one was really, really inexplicable. Um, I, I have no idea what was going on in that play. So it was just a, a game where things just kind of snowballed uh, on you, yeah, I mean, especially, exactly. in, especially in the first half. Because the the second half, yeah. you guys won seven to seven to six. I mean, it wasn't. It mm-hmm. was more of a, you know, more of an even contest in the second half. Uh, you know, but uh, in the first half was where all the all the mistakes were made and where all the damage was done. Yep, absolutely. And and what's funny about these Matt Lafleur teams, right, is that um, I don't know that a Lafleur team has come back from down uh, more than fourteen points to to mount a comeback and win. I'd have to go back and look at the stats, but it sure doesn't feel like it. For whatever reason, when they get punched in the mouth early and they get down by two touchdowns, it, it almost feel like, feels like they go into a shell and they don't know how to, to come back. And I think some of it might be the way they design the passing game, right? It's still built around the run and the play-action game, um, and they don't really do a lot of the drop-back passing that Mike McCarthy and, and the West Coast offense would do. And so, you know, maybe the passing game just isn't as effective when you're down big and you can just sit back in that too high safety shell and, and just kind of let the ball come to you. I'm not sure if that's it. I'm not sure if there's just some sort of, you know, I don't even know, mental toughness or whatever the heck you want to call it, right? But it feels like anytime this team gets down by two touchdowns, even if it's, you know, second quarter, you kind of feel like, well, crap, now they're, now they're in trouble. Um, whereas, you know, even, even under McCarthy, there were a, a number of occasions, right. When this team came back from, from pretty big deficits and, and made it a competitive game or, you know, come back, came back and, and won some games. I'm thinking back to like the Matt Flynn comeback against Dallas in like 2013, <laughs> uh, when Rogers was out and, and some of those, those games where, um, you know, comebacks were, were a little more frequent. So. Um, if if you can get a lead on on this Packers team as currently constructed, um, that's that's half the battle. And then you can just kind of sit back and you know rush the passer with four if you can get home and play two high safeties. You know you got a good chance at really keeping this offense in check. Well, I mean, I think that's what the Bears are going to try to do. I mean, at least that's uh, sure. we're we're kind of back in, in Lovey Smith mode. Is I mean, like we're not running a straight Tampa two. Uh, like Lubby did, but we are back in that mode of we are a four three defense. Again, we are we didn't blitz San Francisco one time uh, on Sunday, yeah. and we we put a decent pressure on Lance pretty much throughout the entire uh, uh, ball game. So it was like we're trying to get home with four, and you know leaving the rest up to our to our back seven, uh, uh, if you will. So I mean, if if that's something that we can to do to keep you guys under wraps and Aaron Rodgers uh, for for once. Uh, that would be uh, a very nice thing to uh, uh, to witness uh, on Sunday. So I mean, it's um, I mean, basically, you're you're I you know my segment at the end of the show would going to be you know keys to the game. You just kind of spell them out for me. Get off to a fast start. <laughs> yep. Get home with four. And and one that I would that you know my my listeners will hear me you know go into more depth with was to actually get to Rogers. 
as opposed to pressuring him because he's not that quarterback. The that one interception mistake against Minnesota aside, he's not that guy that pressure is going to force him to make mistakes. In fact, that's kind of when he, you know, knuckles in and all of a sudden he throws a laser to that guy you didn't think he could get it to. He gets it off just at the last second. So putting pressure on him isn't the key. Getting to him and getting him on the ground like Minnesota did on Sunday is far more important than getting here, getting there and knocking him down because that's not really going to rattle Rodgers like it would a lot of quarterbacks. Yeah, you're exactly right. And and it was funny because the Packers actually had that exact same issue with Cousins on Sunday. There was a lot of pressure. He took a lot of hits, but they weren't able to get home, get him down, um, you know, get the sacks, maybe you know, get to the football. He was always able to get that football away and, and get the throws off uh, before the contact came and, and uh, you know, before they could take him to the ground. And that was really a, a big uh, a big reason for Minnesota's success kind of in that first half and then you know they again they only had two field goal drives in the second half but um you know they, the Packers just couldn't generate any turnovers because they weren't getting home to, to Cousins even though they were getting a little bit of pressure on him right do you think that the like the success under LaFleur is maybe working against you guys because when you were referring to them getting behind like this is a team that's so used to being ahead this is a team that's so used to uh, you know, winning and, and such that when they get behind yeah. like that, it's almost like they don't know what to do. You know, it's funny because because it's been this way in just about every loss that they've had under LaFleur. Mm-hmm. Um, he, they, the Packers generally don't lose close games. Right. Uh, the last couple of years. Um, I'm thinking back to his first year. They, they got blown out against the Chargers. They got blown out against the 49ers. Um, I think they had maybe one close loss that year to, to Philly, I think. And then you know these, some of these playoff games, you know, have the, the 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 San Francisco game was probably like the one close one recently, and that was just the complete special teams debacle, right? right. So um, it's it, it's been a weird thing this whole time ever since he really took over. I can't really explain it. I don't really know what the you know what the issue is, other than maybe some of that schematic stuff that I mentioned earlier. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't know that. It's, that it's anything new as a result of their overall success because it's kind of been the case ever since he took over. Yeah, I mean, it's just like ever since LaFleur took over, for the most part, yeah. the, the regular season has been easy for you guys. Yeah. 13 games in each yeah. of his first three seasons, you know. It's like it's uh, it's not a matter of, of getting to the postseason. It's a matter of how many games are going to win in order to get there uh, kind of thing has kind of been the, the deal. Uh, with them uh, uh, thus far. So it's, um, you know, there's like, it, I mean, it, it's funny that it, it does happen that, you know, teams become so used to the success, to, to being up ahead that, you know, there's just a completely different vibe when all of a sudden they have to fight for it as opposed to mm-hmm. them just being able to go out there and take it. Right. Yeah. So, and again, I, I, for whatever reason, they've been great in close games the last couple of years, but um, yeah, it, it, again, you get them down by two touchdowns and everything sort of shifts on its head and they kind of go into a shell and the offense shuts down a little bit. And you know, that's, that's when you can kind of coast. Well, unless it's the bears. Cause I seem to remember on a Sunday night football <laughs> game last year that uh, after a 97 yard punt return for a touchdown, we were up 24 to 10 and um, you know, or 24 to four was it 24 to 14. Either one. But uh, yeah, something you know, like that. It was at least a two-score <laughs> deficit 
and then like idiots, we played prevent on the last drive and, uh, Devontae Adams scored a touchdown just before halftime. And it was like, it was almost like, as far as the vibe was concerned, almost like you guys took the lead before you went into the half because the game was over in the second half. Like you came out just rolling, uh, right over us there in the, uh, the second half. So the exception seems to be Chicago and I would like for that to stop immediately. <laughs> yeah, that, that, you're, you're right. I pulled it up. It, it was 24-14 after that punt return. And um, I am hopeful that the Packers have at least a league average special teams unit this season after <laughs> yeah. the, the hideous performance that they posted in 2021, right? Um, well, I just remember, you know, uh, you know, I laughed out loud when uh, when when you, when the Packers forced, I think it was um, – I think it was Khalil Herbert or whoever it was that was returning a kickoff, forced him outside at the 30 and the roaring ovation that came from the crowd because every other return ended on the Green Bay side of the 50-yard line prior to that. Yeah, that was the the special teams, especially the coverage units in a nutshell last year. And they they looked markedly better on Sunday. That was probably the, the face of the game where, I was probably most encouraged was on special teams uh, in Minnesota because they actually did a, a pretty much a, a solid job uh, all around. So I'll I'll take what we got there uh, in that phase of the game for once. So aside from your from your tackles that may or may not play on Sunday or like like right now likely not to play uh, on yep. Sunday, what's the health situation like for you guys? Yeah. So the the big question marks. Um, John Runyon, the starting left guard, he's got a concussion. He left the game in the second half. Oh, against God, Minnesota. so it's all over the offensive line for it, you guys. Then. Yeah, we, we, we may be starting three backups on the offensive line, one of which uh, probably would be if Runyon can't go, it's fourth-round rookie Zach Tom, who has been has looked really good in, in preseason and practice. Um, he, I, I firmly believe he's going to be the next great Packers fourth-round offensive lineman. Mm-hmm. Um over the you know the next couple of years, but um, but yeah, he's he's a rookie. He very well is you know may end up starting at left guard. So um, it's going to be real interesting on the front, and then defensively, the the big question mark is Quay Walker, the first round pick uh, linebacker. He had to leave the game in the fourth quarter with a shoulder injury. Sounded like he was he was practicing today, um, and he probably will be good to go for Sunday, which is good because he looked very good in his debut. In Minnesota, uh, very very fast, very violent tackler, very sure tackler. Um, you can pick on him a little bit in the zone coverage. He's a rookie; that's kind of to be expected. But um, you're not getting any yards after the catch against this guy, and and he's very quick in run support. Um, so so we've we've been very happy with him. The other final like big injury that kind of is hanging out there is Alan Lazard, the receiver, but uh, he practiced today Wednesday, so. The hope there, I think, is that uh, that he'll be back and, and ready to go for Sunday night, which would be a nice boost because he did not play in Minnesota either. Yeah, it looks like we're going to be ready to go uh, on Sunday as well. Velas Jones, who did not practice at all last week and missed his forty-five-year-old uh, Velas Jones. Yeah, you know, Sorry, he's, he's I, getting I, up there. We have to wheel him out into the <laughs> field, and uh, you know, his his hamstrings weren't weren't agreeing with him. Uh, yep. Last week, you know how those old guys are, and um, <laughs> but he was limited in practice today, saying that he feels good, so we could uh, see him returning kicks and testing that special teams unit of yours uh, uh, on Sunday. The only other injury the Bears had on the report, which was kind of funny to me because I didn't see him play a down on Sunday, but somehow Riley Reef hurt his shoulder. Uh, <laughs> you know, 
he was limited, but uh, he had a shoulder injury of some kind. Is like, did he hurt his shoulder sliding in the end zone at the end of the game? Because he didn't play, as far as I know, on Sunday. So uh, <laughs> interesting that that he popped up on the injury list uh, that way. Well, so, and then you've got uh, what's his name from uh, you guys claimed from the Raiders, Leatherwood. It has mono. He has so mono. That's a fun one. Yeah, that's fun. He's got yeah. the, the quote unquote kissing disease. Uh, yeah. From, uh, but he's out uh, four weeks, so we signed Michael Schofield back onto the uh, onto the roster uh, to take his place for the next uh, at least four weeks. So, but Leatherwood was always going to be a project anyway, so it's not like it's a huge sure. blow uh, to our uh, to our offense. What I'd like to know, actually, and I don't know if you watched any of the San Francisco game, was uh, a why did we keep rotating Lucas Patrick and Tevin Jenkins? at right guard, and are we planning to do it again because Patrick is still wearing the mitt on his uh, snapping hand uh, in practice. So I was like, are, are they, are they going to make the call and have one of those guys in there? Are they going to keep rotating or, or like they did? Because I don't think I ever heard a beat writer ask them why they did that uh, on Sunday because it seemed, just seemed like they were rotating him in like every two series that, you know, Jenkins, Jenkins got the start, then Patrick was in. Then there's Jenkins, then there's Patrick again. It's like, what are we doing? It's like, what are we doing? It's like, we're supposed to be putting our best five out there. It seems like we're just rotating, you know, six guys out there instead. So I, I couldn't quite wrap my head around what the Bears were doing there. So Yeah, it seems like a weird one. But um, I did see that they, they named Patrick an honorary captain uh, mm-hmm. this week since they're you know, obviously playing his old team. Right. Um, I'm sure that's the reason why. So. I fully expect well, it's, it's better than what Nagy was doing, him. which was like he would <laughs> like his entire captain because we didn't have captains last year. We had captains on game day, but not during the season. So yep. like when we played the Seahawks, Bruce Irwin, J- Jermaine Fitty, former Seahawks were the captains for that game. So got it. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the Packers have been funny with captains in the past. The, the Mike McCarthy approach was to, to just have, yeah, weekly captains, assigned by the coaching staff and then the the players would vote on like the the postseason the playoff captains but um LeFleur has kind of changed that up so we've got our um you know our three on offense three on defense but you know that hasn't been without its its issues you know we had Zadarius Smith and the whole captaincy you know not getting voted a captain drama last season when he had his injury and uh commissioned this whole giant captain's patch chain thing and now he's in Minnesota and basically beat the crap out of our offensive line last week. So, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting system. And, uh, you know, one way or another, somebody's probably going to be a little bit annoyed, but, um, I don't know. I, I at least appreciate that the Packers let the players vote on it. And, mm-hmm. and if somebody's got an issue, then you can take it in the locker room and police it yourself. Right. So tell me what's the, the thoughts around the, the bears from the Packer faithful, uh, thus far, because the the way that they fought and came back and and took over that San Francisco game, that's a vibe we haven't seen from the Bears since the Lovey days. Yeah, I don't think there's a lot of fear. I'll okay. that right right off the bat. Um, I think you know, I, I I think the general Packers fandom probably underestimates the Bears a little bit more than than what they deserve, um, and. and Certainly the, the receiving core has been kind of a, a punching bag for Packers sure, fans sure, this year, sure. even though um, even though the Packers don't exactly have a, you know, a proven receiving core of their own. But, um, no, I mean, this I, I, I think this defense looks really, really solid. I think they made some great moves in the draft in terms of 
uh, bolstering the secondary. I think Jaquan Brisker is going to be a really good player um, in particular. And, um, you know, that, that has me at least, you know, somewhat concerned. Do I still think the Packers probably come out of Sunday with a win? Yeah, I do. Um, but I think it's going to be a, a hard fought one. Um, but ultimately I do think that, um, you know, with, with Justin Fields taking, I think I saw the, the most, the longest time to throw of any quarterback, uh, in the NFL in week one. Um, that's not something I think he's going to be able to get away with on a little bit of a cleaner field in, in Lambeau against, uh, Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith and Kenny Clark. I'll yeah. just, uh, I'll just say that. I'm hoping the fact that, uh, you know, the weather is supposed to be much more agreeable than it was on Sunday. will shorten up the clock and get the ball out of his, uh, hand. Cause I don't really recall that being an issue during the preseason. I grant take, for, take mm-hmm. that for what you will it being the preseason, but it just seemed like the things that we wanted him to stop doing when he was under Nagy, he seemed to be shaking that loose during the preseason. And then especially early on in the San Francisco game, it was like, throw the ball, get rid of the ball, get rid of the ball, get rid of the ball, you know, just, yep. you know, kind of thing was like, man, he's back to doing it uh, again. But it's like, as the game went along, he got better. He got better with getting rid of the football and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. So I'm hoping that we can start there on Sunday as opposed to what we did against the 49ers, which was kind of revert back to the old stuff and work our way back to fixing it. So I'm sure that would make life a lot easier for him. Definitely. Well, and and I do think that the the Packers' tendency to run a lot of zone coverage serves them better against the Bears than it does against Minnesota. Um, You've got eyes in the backfield. You've got guys who are going to be better able to react to, to field scrambling ability. Um, as opposed to trying to, to man up on uh, a guy like Jefferson, which again I, I think would have been the uh, the more effective strategy. So um, there's there's certainly you know nobody in the in the Bears receiving core that really scares you. Certainly nothing like you know like a Justin Jefferson. Sure. So um, I, I do think the the Packers' general approach on defense probably sets up uh, better for success against uh, the, the weapons that Chicago has. Well, you know, I, I, I think you and I even talked about it when, when you and I did that retro uh, rewind uh, show over the, uh, over the offseason. Uh, I definitely talked about it to Emery Moorhead, the, the former 85 Bear, because I also did a Packer game with him for the retro uh, mm-hmm. rewind. It was a, a game from 1986, like week 11, week 12, and, the, you know, the Bears had won every game in the rivalry for like the last three or four years but and the, the the Packers were one of the worst teams in the league at the time and they they were two and ten going into that game uh and everything yes. and yet you wouldn't have known it by the way you saw them playing against the Bears and that's kind of what all I've wanted from the Bears is like if because you guys have had the better roster pretty much every year since except maybe 2018 you guys have had the better roster on paper every single Year and that's why you've won more times than not. That's why Rodgers is twenty-two and five uh, against the Bears and everything. But it's just like, even though you didn't have the horses of you know against those those you know Ditka Bears back in the eighties and everything, every one of those games was close. You know yep. the the one in eighty-five we won sixteen to ten, and it was a fourth quarter touchdown from Sweetness that won it. The game that that Emery and I uh, did, the final score was twelve to ten. Uh, you know, just fighting their asses off to the end uh, and everything. And the one touchdown they did score in the game gave them a 10 
uh, 10 to 9 lead. And you would have thought, by the way, half the team ran onto the field. They had just won the Super Bowl scoring that touchdown. Right. Uh, and it, like, that's how much it meant to them. That's how much it meant them to, to fight and play the Bears, despite the fact that at 2 and 10, their season was over. It, but it didn't matter. It was the game. They stepped up for it. They gave the Bears all they could handle. And in the end, the better team uh, came out. And, and I would be okay with that, with this rivalry of ours now, if, if we played you like you used to play us back then. If we went down yep. fighting, if we made you earn it, it just seemed like every, like one, every game, one game after the other, it just seemed like not so much maybe uh, quitting, but just so much kind of giving in to what was happening. The tide has turned, yep. in, like in that second game on, on Sunday night uh, last year. We had the lead at halftime. We were, you know, we had the with the big plays that that put us out in front and all that kind of stuff. But that touchdown drive and that touchdown score uh, for Devonte Adams right before the half seemed to turn the tide. And then we came back in the second half and just let you guys do whatever you wanted. And what was twenty four to seventeen, twenty four to twenty one at halftime was forty five to thirty by the time uh, it was all done. So I mean, it's just. I would much rather see us fighting and scratching and clawing, making you guys earn it. It's like even a loss, we get some respect from you guys as opposed to like, well, yep. that's another bear game in the books, you know, like <laughs> see you in a few weeks, guys, or, you know, whatever it is. It's like I would much rather have it be like, man, I don't want to play those guys again. That's going to suck. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, and, and that's the that's a little bit more of the vibe that I get from from this this Bears defense right now. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be it's going to be a little bit of a slog, uh especially with the the Packers offense still figuring out its identity a little bit. Um they, they've got to run their offense through the running backs. You know, they they've got probably, you know, one of the one or two best two running back tandems in the NFL. Uh, with with Jones and Dylan, yeah, and um, you know they even said it coming out of Minnesota that they didn't get those guys the ball nearly enough. They combined for 160 yards. Um, they just I think they combined they had 23 total touches between the two of them, mm-hmm. um, which I mean that's that's a good day for you know a decent day for for one running back. But when you get these two guys that you really want to have the the focal point of your offense run around, um, yeah, that's just that's just really not enough. So. Um, Especially when again you're you're building around the running game and the play action, so um, I, I would certainly look for them to to try to establish the run uh, early on. You know, start working play action off of that. I do think that if if Lazard is back, that is a big boost because the ability that he has to to block from kind of that that slot position and and contribute as a run blocker as much as his receiving ability is going to be big and, and can really help out with the running game. But again, I think, um, I do think Chicago's defense is going to, going to make it tough. And, you know, I, I, I foresee a fairly low scoring game, um, no matter how, how it shakes out on, on Sunday night. I could definitely, uh, live with that. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm still teetering on, on, on the pick itself. Uh, right now, you know, maybe just a little bit of, uh, you know, I don't want to say overconfidence, but, you know, just confidence, period, uh, going into the game after I, the way that I watched my guys fight against a team that was supposed to run us off the field uh, on Sunday. I mean, they're like, you know, if you want to talk about the on-paper matchups, we didn't have it against San Francisco, and I don't know what it was. I've I've gone back and watched the game over. I've watched the highlights a couple of times, and I'm not sure what it was that kept us in the game as far as, like, just the overall vibe because for the first three quarters, first at least the, at the very least, the first 
two and a half, San Francisco dictated everything. They were yeah. they were winning the battle up front on both sides uh, of the ball. They they were seemingly doing whatever they wanted. It's just that for one reason or another, they just weren't putting us away. They weren't delivering that uh, killer blow that uh, that you know that did take the vibe away and that did you know take all the momentum uh, and everything. And the next thing you know, uh, you know Dante Pettis is wide open. We force a turnover. There's, you know, uh, there's Equinemia St. Brown wide open in the back of the end zone, and we're winning all of a sudden. It's like, wait, what? We're winning this thing now? And, the, you know, and then, of course, the Eddie Jackson. I was like, that was just the sign. Like, oh, my God, we're going to win this game. Eddie Jackson just picked <laughs> off his first pass in three years, you know, and he did it on purpose because the last interception Eddie Jackson got was a Hail Mary against the Giants. It was a Hail Mary. So it was like, whoa, you know, it's like he actually, he did it on purpose. He made a play on the ball. So, yeah, and then a few yeah. plays later, Khalil Herbert's in the end zone. We're up 19 to 10. It's like, man, we're going to do this thing. I can't believe it. But it's like, because it's a double-edged sword with you guys. Because, like you just described, you know, this is probably a good time to be playing with you guys. You're still trying to figure it out on offense, especially if Alan Lazard doesn't play. Uh, you're still trying to get Rodgers out there with – like Randall Cobb and everybody else in the wide receiving uh, core. I know it's his, like Tunyon's got to be a great safety net now that he's finally back, but even still. Yeah. But also at the same time, this is not a good time to be playing you guys because you were embarrassed in Minnesota. You did a lot of things you don't usually do, like Rodgers turning over the football, giving up a ton of sacks, you know, Rodgers constantly getting picked up off the ground kind of thing. You're back at home and you're playing the Bears. And it's just yep. like there, it's it's six and one and half a dozen in the other. On one side, it's like absolutely, I'm I'm glad we're playing the Packers now. And on the other hand, it's like, man, couldn't we play them next week after they <laughs> after they beat somebody else? And then you know, so they're not shaking and looking to restore their pride uh, and everything uh, against right. us because those games don't usually go our way. Yeah, it's it's funny because the the way things worked out last year, right? You know, they they lost big to the Saints in Week One. They came home and played the Lions on Monday Night Football in Lambeau. And, you know, one not, you know, it wasn't a, a total blowout, but they pulled away in the second half and won fairly comfortably. And then week three, they had a really tough road game against one of their nemesis teams, right, in San Francisco. And, you know, really, I think the the, the way that they won that game late, um, coming back and, and kicking a field goal late in the game to, to win it, was really kind of a spark plug for their their season because then they ripped off seven straight wins. And the schedule, the way it sets up, is actually very similar, right? You've got a home night game against a divisional opponent that on paper you think should should be a win, right, Um, this week. Then you go on the road to Tampa next week for a a big, high-profile game that's – you know, again, against one of the teams that's beaten you in the playoffs recently. And then after that, you got four very, very winnable games, home for New England, in London against the Giants, home against the Jets, and at Washington, right? Like, those are those are four very winnable games. So, like, if, if, if things break right for this team, they could be very much in the same position that they were last year after seven weeks, you know, sitting at six and one, having rebounded from, um, you know, from that embarrassing week one loss. Yeah. Now Tampa's Tampa's a little bit of a different animal. Uh, maybe than San Francisco was last year. Sure. You know, we'll see what happens there. But, you know, it has to start with a good performance at home against 
a divisional opponent on Sunday. And so um, that, that's, that's obviously where the, where the focus is going to be and, and they need to, to bounce back and, um, and make damn sure that they don't start on two because that's, you know, at this point, I think we saw, I think I saw stats last year that either 12 or 13 or was it one or two of the 14 playoff games last year started 0 and 2. So if, if you get off to a, an 0 and 2 start, you're, you're practically done already. Yeah, and I don't want to call this a must win game, but you know, it, it feels like it's got a little bit of that vibe. Um, just, just the way they started out in week one. Yeah, I mean, especially since God forbid, if the if you know if hell freezes over and the Bears win on Sunday, um, you're staring down the barrel of zero and three against Tampa on the road next Sunday. Uh-huh. Now, that's also nothing to worry about because, as you just described, those four games afterwards, the Packers should win all of them. And right. I'm, you know, the, depending on how the schedule rolls uh, after that, but we've also seen. You know, I mean, what year was it? R E L A X. When was that? Like 2015, 2014, whatever yeah, it was. That range, like, yep. You know, three and six or whatever it was, or four and six. And you literally ran yep. the table just like he said you would and, and made it to the playoffs uh, uh, and everything. So even though 0 and 3 is, is t- terrible, you've seen the Packers come back from, you know, from these holes that look insurmountable and everything. But statistics and the odds and history say, you start zero three, you're likely you're not coach. going to make the postseason. <laughs> you know, it's it's yeah, going to be an uphill head. climb for the rest of the season. Like getting getting to the postseason is hard enough without starting with an zero and three albatross on your back. Absolutely. Yep. So, so yeah, again, it's it's as close to a must win as you can have in a week two game. I think for for the Packers. So um, I do hope that you know, and and think that coming back and, and being at home, having a home opener having a little extra juice there, you know, being the bears that, that still is, is an ex, extra motivating factor, certainly for, you know, for everybody in the organization and the fan base and, and certainly for Aaron Rodgers as well. Um, so my, my hope is that it ends up being far less close than, <laughs> uh, than I expect that it will be, but right. I, I do think it'll be a, a relatively, a relatively close, relatively low scoring game. And that's that's what I mean. Like I, I think you and I have talked about this several times over the years, but especially during this off season with everything that we've been hearing from Eberflus and company about how they want the team to play. That like this is the team we're going to put uh, onto the field, and they they've seemed true to their word thus far. We have seen more people swarming uh, to the ball. Um, you know, like I don't think enough has been made of the turnover the Bears forced on San Francisco's opening drive. Because, like you said, with with Christian Watson dropping that touchdown, that sure touchdown uh, on what I did not know was the first play from scrimmage for you guys, <laughs> the Bears go three and out on their opening drive, looking very naggy-ish on that drive, and then San Francisco gets the football. They get it on a you know inside their own forty or whatever it is. So essentially, on a short field, they're pounding it down our throats. There, they look like they're going in, and it's just like they they smashed us on defense, and here they are just ramming it down our throats on offense. If they go in there and score, I believe we're looking at a much different football game than what we ended up having. But Jalen Johnson sees Debo Samuel coming, gives it the old peanut punch. It pops out. Jaquan Brisker falls on it. And that momentum is killed. And basically, San Francisco never really got it back. 
Because I think if they go in and they score, we're playing San Francisco's game for all 60 minutes. It's rain and no rain, whatever it is. I think San Francisco's got it over on us by making that statement early on. But with the Bears shutting it down, I think that changed everything. And, you know, it'll be about us coming out and doing the same thing uh, against Green Bay instead of sitting there and watch Aaron Rodgers march down the field in 12 plays in six minutes and put a touchdown on the board immediately like he almost does every single time. Maybe we force you guys three and out a couple of times before you get things going uh, on offense and show you that it's going to be a battle because we're rivals, but it hasn't been a rivalry for a long time like you and I have talked about a few times uh, over the yep. season, like we'll always be rivals. That's always going to be. I mean, hell, you know, like we keep joking about. If it's Bears Packers at Lambeau, it's on Sunday night for the whole <laughs> world to see. No matter what, it's yep. Thursday night, it's Monday night, it's Sunday night. No matter what, Bears Packers at Lambeau is on night for the whole world to watch at once. So this is a rivalry that the NFL uh, banks on and all that stuff. It's just that you know, more times than not, or 22 of the last 27 times they've played, uh, Green Bay has come out on top, and most of the time it hasn't even been uh, a contest. So we've been rivals, we'll always be rivals, but it hasn't been a rivalry for years, and I'm hoping that Eberflus and company can turn the tide uh, on that to make these games interesting again. Yep. So instead of us going in there praying for the best but expecting the worst. (laughs) So yeah, it'll be. Uh, I, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I I think it'll be a good uh, a good test of of what this this Packers offense can do, and if they can find a little bit of identity, um, you know, against what what I do think is a you know is a, a quality NFL defense here in Chicago. Yeah, well, I I appreciate you saying that because we're we're not getting a whole lot of love out there. It's like I'm I'm sure <laughs> you keep an eye on the on the power rankings and everything. We started out at thirty going into the San Francisco game. Third worst team in the NFL. And after we beat a team that a lot of people think are Super Bowl contenders, we've moved all the way up to 27. (laughs) 27. And the 49ers, who lost to the 30th ranked team in the NFL, went from 7 to 9. I mean... Yeah, I, I I think there's a uh, What's there's a little bit of an over yeah, yeah. There, I think there's an overinflated sense of uh, of what Trey Lance is at this point personally, but yeah. you know that's my that's my take on that. I think he's you know he's he's got the tools, but uh, it's gonna it's gonna take a while for him to to put that all together. Because well, he's what so played like, think... like what three games since 2019 or whatever, right? Uh, it yep. is because he only played one game in 2020 because of the pandemic. Was on the bench for all of two games last year and here he is yep. the day one starter uh and everything and he 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 hasn't played a full season since 2019 that was a long time ago so uh-huh. yeah yep. it's, it's gonna take a while for him to get his feet uh that's for sure so definitely well evan as always it's been great uh to have you on and uh you know for so many times under under naggy you just you're never happy under Nag, even when we won, you know, it's like I, I've said this a thousand times to show my listeners are sick of hearing me say it, but you walked away feeling bad about the wins. I'm hoping that with this new vibe and this new uh, uh, culture and everything under Eberflus, I can feel good about the losses. Like, yeah, we didn't we didn't win. We didn't beat Green Bay, but we made progress here. We showed them who we were. We showed them this. That we're not going to be an easy out anymore or it's not going to be a cakewalk just because the Bears are in town uh, or anything that's the that's the worst result that I want to have 
on Sunday is that if we go down, we go down swinging. We go down changing your perception of the Bears and, and what you can look forward to in this rivalry in the, in the uh, weeks and months to years to come. Yep. Yeah, and and I mean, like like I've said tonight, I uh, I, I think that, that that's a very likely possibility here this week, and um, you know, it's for, for the Packers, it's a it is a big game. Again, you you've got to avoid going going zero and two to start the season, mm-hmm. um, facing a potential zero and three. You know, with a road game against Tampa in week three, um, you know, this is about as as big a week two game uh, as as I can imagine. Uh, for this team, so um, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. I'm I'm crossing my fingers that a couple of these these injured players come back. Like getting Runyon back would be big, but um, sounds like he didn't practice today. But uh, Lazard being back will be a, a nice boost for the offense uh, if he's able to play. So uh, hopefully that'll help. But um, yeah, this team just needs to needs to find a little identity. And and really, I didn't you know I mentioned a little bit, but really Rogers Rogers played like crap against Minnesota. I'll just say it. Yeah. Um, he, he was missing open receivers. There were guys, you know, open at, at multiple levels that, you know, normally he, he uncorks some, some bullets to some of these guys and, um, you know, plenty of, of, of windows for him to, to throw into that he normally hits and just for whatever reason, wasn't pulling the trigger or, or wasn't seeing it. I don't know if maybe it's a, you know, no preseason snaps thing that's been, been brought up uh, around the Packers a little bit. Uh, in the last couple of days. Um, but then again, the Vikings didn't play any of their starters in offense either. So um, I tend to not bite too much into that. But um, yeah, hopefully he'll be a little more decisive with the football, um, be willing to to test the, the Bears secondary a little more than, than he was willing to, to test the Vikings on, in week one because um, you know, the Packers definitely need to find a way to get some explosive plays that they didn't get against Minnesota. So We'll see what happens. Um, that'll be my, my biggest thing that I'm looking for from, from this team is seeing if that offense can get back on track because uh, they really need it after uh, really two straight rough games, you know, in the playoffs against San Francisco and again yeah. last week against Minnesota. Well, I'm, I'm hoping that you hold off for at least one more week and then uh, <laughs> you go down to Tampa and really give Tom Brady what for uh, and everything uh, during America's Game of the Week in week number three. Um, but, uh, you know, if it has to happen, I'm sure it will happen against the bears. Cause why wouldn't it? Uh, cause, cause, you know, cause we bear fans are coming to this game with hope and, you know, dare I say confidence, uh, and everything for once, as opposed to like, well, it is football. It could happen. You know, you never know, but, uh, you know, knowing that it likely will not, uh, kind of thing. But we, we, as, as fans feel good about the, the, about the team, and, you know, it's not pretty on paper what, what our roster looked like, but these guys play together. And um, those teams are always tough to beat, you know. So Definitely. we'll uh, yep. we'll see how it all shakes out on uh, Sunday. And, um, you know, we will see you again starting in the month of December because we don't see you again until yeah. week 13, our last game before the bye in Chicago. Um, I'm sure we'll have a lot of these questions answered by the time we get to see each other again. Definitely. Yeah, it'll be uh... – It'll be interesting, and and yeah, Packers have a bye coming out of that game in Week 14 as well. So mm-hmm. it should be uh, should be interesting to see where where both of our teams sit uh, a good you know 12 weeks down down the line from now. All right, Evan Western, where can we keep up with you uh, in the meantime? Yeah, you can always uh, find me at Tex Western on Twitter. You can get us at AcmePackingCompany.com, at AcmePackingCo on Twitter. 
um, hit us up. Uh, you can find our podcast. I usually do our game recap podcast on Sunday nights, the occasional, you know, Thursday night, Monday night, uh, with Justice Mosqueda on the Acme Packing Company podcast feed. Uh, we got stuff basically every weekday. So anywhere you find your podcast, you can, uh, you can hear us and, and check us out. And, uh, again, acmepackingcompany.com. We've got anything you need on the Packers. All right, so Evan Western, thanks so much. We'll uh, we'll see you getting ready for lucky number week thirteen. Sounds good. Look forward to it. I think we got him, guys. I think we got him, and I think we're going to win on Sunday. You want to know why? Because for the first time in God knows how many appearances Evans made on my podcast, he did not say go pack go at the end of it. He just let it go. <laughs> he forgot it. I think he just jinxed himself. I think he just did it. You know, I, I think we're I think we're we're shooing now, guys. We're gonna win for sure. The Packers on all uh, on all sides. In the podcast world, the bloggers, their beat writers, and they're all falling apart. The Bears are coming together at just the right time. And there's your evidence right there. Uh, my guest, who can't help but say "Go Pack Go," no matter how many times he's been on my show, forgot to say it today. I think we've turned a tide, guys. We've definitely turned. So, but as usual, always want to thank West uh, Evan Weston for being on the show. Always have a great time talking to him. And as I said at the top of the show, despite his crooked allegiance to that team uh, in Cheeseland, uh, he's still one of my favorite guests, and I love having him uh, on the show. Look forward to having him back uh, week thirteen to preview the game right before. Uh, our bye week and their bye week too, as, as it turns out. So, anyway, guys, let's go ahead and close this out. We have keys to the game uh, right now, and um, I think it's very simple. You know, we, you you heard during the conversation with with Evan getting off to a fast start, having this Packer team playing from behind would be a wonderful thing. So we can't wait until the third quarter to score our first touchdown like we did uh, against the Forty ers We kind of need to hit the ground. Running, it would benefit the Bears tremendously uh, in order to uh, in order to do that. Uh, you know, getting off to a fast start, winning the battle at the line of scrimmage, which on defense should be fairly easy, especially if those three starting linemen are missing from the lineup on on Sunday. You know, no Bakhtiari, no Jenkins, no Runyon. Hopefully, the Bears can win with four and, and get to the uh, and get to the quarterback. So. Getting off to a fast start, winning at the line of scrimmage, especially when it comes to Rodgers. Because as you heard me talk about uh, with Evan, it's not enough to pressure Rodgers because he's got ice water in his veins, so the pressure isn't going to be what forces him to make mistakes. Rodgers is the one you have to hit as he throws kind of thing to force a bad throw, to force a bad uh, decision, to, you know, to make him get rid of the ball uh, when he feels them coming. I mean, he got strip sacked on Sunday uh, as well. So just be sure to, when you're getting there on him, attack the football. Don't necessarily worry about bringing him down as much because that was something that Cleo Mack was so great at, especially in, in 2018. When he, was, when, he was, when he had the battle won and he was going to the quarterback, he always went after the ball first, which is why he almost never got called for uh, you know, roughing the passer, you know, that kind of thing, because he was always attacking the ball and not trying to cave in the quarterback's forehead uh, and bring him down. 
You know, so, but it's not enough to pressure riders. We got to get to them. The games in which the Bears have been successful uh, against A.A. Ron have been the games where we were able to get to them when we sacked them four uh, and five times. You know, the, the, the Packers are likely to be missing those tackles and Runyon, and we need to take advantage of that. So, I mean, like I said, Rodgers has been good enough. He's good enough under pressure that he can still hurt you when the walls are closing in. It's it's not about making the walls close in like it was against Trey Lance uh, on Sunday. It's about getting to him. It's far more important to actually hit him, to actually tackle him, to bring him down, to sack him, than it is to pressure him. You know, so that's where the results come in. Not in pressuring him, or not really even so much hitting him. We got to get him. We got to get him. Now, I'm not saying the Bears going to go in there and sack Rodgers 12 times uh, to win the football game, but you know. The, the Vikings sacked him four times, and Rodgers was off his game for most of the afternoon. So I was like, that's what, that's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about. So, but, uh, you know, and then, so we're talking about fast start, win at the line of scrimmage, you know, pressuring not enough. We actually have to get to hit and sack Rodgers. And then the last one is, is, uh, is, is the hits principle. It's main, we want to maintain the discipline. Winning the penalty battle was a huge part in winning that game against San Francisco. Their 12 penalties to our three penalties. And remember, one of those three penalties was the 15-yard unsportsmanlike conduct penalty because Trenton Gill brought a towel onto the field to try to dry the spot that uh, Cairo Santos is going to be kicking from. That was one of our three penalties. In fact, the Bears had like 26 yards and penalties without it, it's two penalties for 11 yards or something like that versus that one stupid 15-yarder. I mean, I think that, all, that really puts it in perspective. We had two penalties, two actual real penalties uh, in the football game versus the 12 that San Francisco had uh, on Sunday. In the Green Bay, that's where we'd be the most egregious with some of those mistakes. With all the trouble that we've had over the years getting Rodgers and, and the offense off the field, we would get them stopped on third down, and then there'd be that five-yard holding penalty and fresh set of downs, and we just give them the ball, and they just keep rolling uh, kind of thing. We definitely want to maintain the discipline that helped us win that game against San Francisco, and we want to maintain the mental toughness as well because you heard me talk about it with, with Evan in our conversation. In the past Packer games, there was always a vibe thing that it turned, and the Bears – you know, maybe didn't give up, like I said, with Evan, but at least beginning to kind of give in to the way things were going. Like the, the Sunday night game last year being chief example, where in, you know, we, we played prevent and that, that last drive in the second half where the Packers were able to score a touchdown before halftime. And even though they were still losing 24 to 21 at the halftime bell, them scoring the touchdown was basically as good as them taking the lead before they went into the half because that's how the vibe changed. They came in in the second half with a renewed confidence. And they took over the football game, and it just kind of happened for us. It just We just kind of sat back and, and let it happen. The Bears didn't necessarily quit, but... We basically did. We basically just did acquiesce to Green Bay, and they dictated their football game. And what was twenty-four to twenty-one at halftime was forty-five to thirty-one or thirty or whatever it was uh, at the end of the uh, at the end of the ball game. We have to maintain that mental toughness because if that men, if the mentality that lost us that game in Green Bay last year existed, no way we beat the 49ers on Sunday. No way we're still hanging around, fighting, scratching, clawing in the third quarter when Dante Pettis. 
uh, scores that touchdown to finally get us on the board. No way that we're still in the game when Justin Fields finds Equinemia St. Brown in the touch in the end zone to take the lead early in the fourth quarter. If that mentality existed, nothing that happened on Sunday would have gone the way that it did. We would have given up against San Francisco or given in would probably be the better description. We would have given in sometime in the second quarter when the 49ers were still dominating up front, when they were still doing whatever they wanted, despite the fact that we were still within arm's reach of taking over the game. We simply just wouldn't have. So maintain that mental toughness, maintain the discipline that helped us win the turnover battle, that helped us uh, win the win the uh, penalty battle by a huge margin uh, in that regard. And uh, I think that's the road to success there. But I think the biggest of all of those is that fast start. Because you heard us talk about it with, with Western, Evan Western. You know, maybe I was right that under LaFleur, this is a team that is so used to success. They're so used to winning. They're so used to the regular season being easy that, you know, it's almost like they struggle to know what to do when they get behind in such a way. So I, I would... Uh, Hope that you know we can come out and and produce something quick, maybe even get an early turnover. Uh, whether you know popping the ball loose from a receiver or God forbid, Dominique Robinson continues his hot streak and strip sacks Rogers uh, or something, that would really be fantastic and uh, go a long way in the Bears turning this into a rivalry once again. Because like I said with Evan, we, we we'll we'll always be rivals. The NFL banks on us being rivals. But it would be, I think the NFL would, would especially love it if it became a rivalry again, where you know you go into a Bears Packers game wondering who's going to win instead of knowing that you're 99% out of 100 times it's, it's going to be Green Bay that comes out on top, you know, because that's just, that's just the way it is. To hell with the way it is. I want to see my guys come out and kick some ass on Sunday and uh, have Green Bay really sweating bullets, staring down an 0 3 start by going to Tampa Bay next Sunday while we go home and get ready for the Texans. Yeah, we're staring down the barrel of 3 or 4 and 0 because we got the Texans next week and the Giants the week after that. Those are all winnable football games. And I don't think anybody thought we'd be 1 and 0. So, uh, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I really am. Uh, I don't know how it's going to go. I don't know if that that week 1 uh, you know, carries over. If that week one hangover, you know, maintains for Green Bay and that that week one euphoria, that week one glow that we have uh, lasts. But uh, we'll find out on Sunday. uh, And I'm actually looking forward to it. I usually dread Bears Packers matchups. I am looking forward uh, to this one. So that is going to do it, guys, for the week two preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground. Come back tomorrow when we will preview the rest of the NFL. Uh, I, I actually forgot about a game uh, in the review episode, so my apologies, everyone. I forgot to talk about the Baltimore and uh, the, the Ravens-Jets game because I was sitting there counting the games that I picked, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's eight wins. But I forgot about Baltimore and the Jets. I picked Baltimore uh, to win, so I was actually 9-6-1 and one, uh, in the first week. So better than I thought I did. I thought I was 8-7-1, and one, but it was 9-6-1. and one. And uh, we'll, we'll talk about all the other games, the Thursday night or tomorrow between Kansas City and, uh, and, the, and the Chargers uh, and every other game, including this one uh, on the Week 2 NFL preview episode uh, tomorrow. So come on back tomorrow for the NFL preview to get you ready for the rest of the Week 2 schedule. And until then, 
My name is Larry D, and this has been the Bears Talk Underground.